Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. This week, we are talking about Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD. Campbell only has one chapter on ASD. It is not very lengthy. So we recommend using additional resources on this material to broaden your knowledge of the diagnosis. PCS Advantage has just recently added an ASD study guide to their materials, and there is a clinical summary on ASD on the APTA website. Additionally, there is an APTA fact sheet called Physical Therapy Evaluation of Children with Autism Spectrum Disorder, Practice Recommendations for the School-Based Therapist. We will go over this fact sheet at the end of the episode. Just to let you guys know, the ASD PCS Advantage study guide was not part of the package that Sarah and I had purchased previously, so we can't really speak to what's included in it, but I definitely feel like based on all of their other great content, it's, I'm sure, wonderful and will definitely provide some information, I think, to the holes that aren't really covered in Campbell. ASD is a developmental disability that results in significant social, communication, and behavioral challenges. It is often not diagnosed until a child is four years of age or later. Prevalence may be as high as one in 50. Boys are four times more likely to be diagnosed with ASD than girls. There's no one etiology for autism, there may be some cause from environmental interactions and genetic predisposition. There are also several other genetic disorders associated with ASD, including things like tuberous sclerosis, fragile X syndrome, Prader-Willi syndrome, Angelman syndrome, Down syndrome, Mobius, and Charge syndrome. This is a good reminder to make sure you're studying some of these more distinct genetic disorders. As young as 18 months of age, siblings of children with ASD have distinct patterns of behavior that may predict the diagnosis of autism at 36 months of age. Siblings of children with autism are 14.7 times more likely to be diagnosed with autism at 36 months of age. Some studies have shown that there may be underconnectivity of the brain, as well as significantly decreased cortical thickness, white matter connectivity, and neurochemical concentrations. Function of mirror neurons may be altered in children with ASD as well. 
Diagnosis is based on a criteria list in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, 5th edition. There is an image of this in Campbell for your reference. The diagnosis is based on symptoms that cause functional impairment, are present in early childhood, and are not better described by another condition. There are three categories of symptoms, social reciprocity, communication intent, and repetitive behaviors. Those symptoms are further divided into two types of ASD, social communication slash interaction and restricted and repetitive behaviors. The American Academy of Pediatric recommends that screening for autism occur at 18 and 24 month well child visits. Two screening tools mentioned in the book to look at general development are the ages and stages questionnaire and the Denver developmental screening tool. Research shows that an accurate diagnosis can be made by 24 months of age. Best practice guidelines recommend that diagnostic evaluations be completed by an interdisciplinary team. The book gives some good charts with outcome measures and tools used for children with ASD. When examining a child with ASD, make sure that you are looking at the typical strength, range of motion, muscle tone, and balance as you would in other examinations. Sensory processing is one area that tends to be affected in children with ASD. This can be measured using the Sensory Profile 2 tool. You should examine activity and participation that are important to the child and family. You can find out what their strengths and limitations are, assess their gait, determine how they are functioning in school or preschool, and how they function in the home. Environmental considerations are also important. This includes environmental stimuli in the child's response and other external stimuli. Personal factors are also important to consider. The book lists a bunch of outcome measures that can be used to measure activity and participation in children with ASD. So take a look at those. Our fact sheet Friday this week details a fact sheet that has all of the outcome measures for children with ASD listed as well. Current practice indicates that children should be served in the natural environment by those practitioners with the skills and knowledge to best help the child and family meet their outcomes. The Canadian Occupational Performance Measure, Goal Attainment Scaling, and the Top-Down Approach are useful for program planning. Remember goal attainment scaling. They love goal attainment scaling. We've talked about this before, but I'm just going to reiterate that information. Make sure you're practicing it. Make sure you understand it. Make sure you understand how to score it. Going off of that too, there is an app, I'm pretty sure, that teaches you how to use it. In one of the pediatric journals, there was an article about it. I think it's called Goal Ed, if I remember correctly. And it teaches you how to use goal attainment scaling and can, you can even create your own goal and practice with it too if you need a little more assistance with it. As far as intervention goes, you want to make sure that you are treating the child's impairments, providing family education, assisting the child in becoming as independent as possible in their environment. Six characteristics for effective intervention include early intervention, family involvement, individualized programming, systemic, systematic intervention, 
structured slash predictable environments, and a functional approach to behavior. The National Standards Project is a systematic review of the effectiveness of research, categorized and described interventions used for children with ASD that were found to be effective for programming behavior, communication, social skills, and other skills, including motor skills. This document is very lengthy and is focused less so on motor skills. So the book details a few evidence-based interventions for physical therapists working with children with ASD. Two specifically mentioned in the book, but do not have a whole lot of evidence behind them, are swimming and sensory processing intervention, such as weighted vests and fidget or fiddle toys. The chapter then goes into dosing and data collection. It basically states that one should conduct ongoing assessment of the child. Goal attainment scaling may be helpful, as well as some other outcome measures. Dosing should consist of intensity, fidelity of intervention delivery, social validity of outcomes, comprehensiveness of intervention, and data-based decision-making. The APTA has a few great fact sheets on dosing that would be great to look at. We will go over those in a future Fact Sheet Friday episode. Last, the book talks about tiered levels of intervention. There are three levels. Level one describes general experiences and supports that are reasonable for any child with ASD, regardless of their abilities. Level two involves strategies designed to enhance a child's behavioral competencies and prevent problem behaviors. Level two is used when level one is not sufficient. Level three strategies are used when problem behaviors have developed to the point where they have become obstacles to learning and healthy social emotional development. In my school, we used the tiered level of intervention in our behavior programming. A level three program is usually assigned to a child that is having significant amounts of behaviors daily and needs constant support for them to participate in their school day. Level two may need some support, but the support is definitely less than level three. Level one could support any child equally. Let's briefly move on to the fact sheet we mentioned earlier in the episode, Physical Therapy Evaluation of Children with Autism Spectrum Disorder, Practice Recommendations for the School-Based Physical Therapist. This fact sheet really just details things that should be considered when performing an evaluation on a child with ASD. The introduction is long but informative and provides a lot of the information that we shared with you already in this episode. The fact sheet goes on to detail what should be covered in the examination portion, which is the largest part. It describes body structure and function aspects to examine, as well as observation of how the child does in the classroom, on the playground, on the bus, special subjects, and an ecological evaluation. The fact sheet provides some good suggestions and ideas of what needs to be examined for a child with ASD we definitely recommend taking a look at this fact sheet. I just wanted to circle back while we were recording this episode. I briefly checked on the app and it is in fact called Goal Ed, G-O-A-L-E-D. And it's an app that basically, like Sarah said, teaches you how to do goal attainment scaling, but it's also 
if you wanted to use it for a kid, it basically shows you how to input the goals and then grade it. Definitely something worth looking up. Um, I think it's a really useful tool. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.